Welcome back, guys. I'm Zan Gruel. I'm Paige Berg. We are The Habit Team. The Habit is a nutrition coaching company made for women by women. Our program is built for you with coaches who put your goals, lifestyle, and personality first. If you want to learn more about us, head to the episode notes or go to thehabit.com. That's habit with a Y to book a free consult call. It is Coach Zan and Coach Paige coming at you again. Um, Lexis will be back for the next episode. Again, for those of you who don't know what's going on, she gave birth to a cute baby girl like three weeks ago. Crazy. So she's living that new mom world, but we have a awesome guest to um, talk all about emotional eating today, which we're super excited about. Today, we are chatting with Miss Sarah Spears. So she is a licensed MFT. She does a plethora of energy healing, and we are going to be chatting all about emotional eating and what techniques that she typically uses with her clients to combat these eating habits. And I would like to just add that I went to grad school with her, and she's amazing, and I love her, and I'm so excited she wanted to be on the pod today. So welcome, Sarah. Welcome. Thanks. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. So thanks for having me, Zan. I'm personally really excited to have you on because (laughs) I've told Zan how much I just geek out over energy healing. But of course, our clients, our women, our lovely women really want to hear more about emotional eating too and how to combat that. So yeah, so we get to talk about both, which will be perfect. Yeah, we get to talk about both. (laughs) Yeah, I just have a quick question. What does MFT mean or stand for? Marriage and family therapist. Thank you. Okay, great. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Although I've always said, I always feel like the title is extremely misleading because when I was in the grad program, I did not touch a single thing about marriage or couples or anything like that. People think we do work with like divorce couples Mm -hmm. and people going through difficulties in their relationships, but Mm-hmm. It's really just knowing how to deal with relationships. Yeah. Like our relationship to our parents, our family, ourselves. And oftentimes it is in partnership, but it right. doesn't have to be. They should yeah. rename that. <laughs> Agreed. I, I feel like they should because when I say I stopped that, using I, that title because I was same. like, it's yeah. very misleading. And that's actually what I do is I help people with eating, weight and body issues. Like totally, totally yeah. opposite of what people normally think. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I basically nowadays just say that I have a master's in psychology. Mm. I just say okay. that. Yeah. It's simplistic. It's, it it's covers the whole umbrella of things. Yep. So. I know. I like kind of always cringe when I hear the question of like, what do you do? Because I'm like, oh, gosh, (laughs) here we go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Take a breath in because it's going to be a long explanation. It's a very long answer. (laughs) Um, Well, before we kind of dive into, you know, um, everything that Sarah is currently doing, I wanted to just get real with all of our listeners because we coaches also struggle with emotional eating. And I just wanted to kind of let you or normalize that for you guys that, you know, everyone goes through this. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, different emotions can trigger different things for people. And so I just wanted to kind of go over, you know, what our triggers are before we dive into the rest of it. So Paige, if you had to say there was like one or two like main emotions that trigger emotional eating, what would be those for you? I would definitely say it's all of them. 
But if I had to, <laughs> if I had to categorize my top one or two, it would be boredom slash procrastinating a task. Like I really find myself in the kitchen the most when I need to do something <laughs> and I use, you know, snacking as a device to distract myself from potentially the harder task that I need to be doing. So mm-hmm. it sounds weird, but I probably do that more than even just like stress eating in general. I mean, that makes sense. Like if you have like a stressful task to do, obviously eating is going to make you feel good. Right. It's like, right. Our, yeah. It like the dopamine or whatever. I don't know uh-huh. that, if mm-hmm. that's the right word. Maybe that's it like is. a quick hit of that. So I don't have to go back to maybe that like daunting task. Yeah. So, and our brain is hardwired to approach pleasure and avoid pain. Oh, so yeah. if you're given two choices, you're usually going to be gravitating food is just so good pleasurable yeah exactly (laughs) what's your sin um I would definitely say boredom okay and yeah that's always I mean I know for a fact I'm sitting there I'm listening to my hunger cues Mm -hmm. I'm not even remotely hungry but I'm just bored and like Sarah said like I want something you know to give me almost like that adrenaline rush again. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, what can I eat yeah. now? And yeah. I definitely, you know, I know we've talked about this on the pod before, but quarantine really brought that out of me when, you know, the first couple of weeks we were all stuck at home. You know, I was busy, but often found myself kind of just like mingering to the kitchen and grazing. And mm-hmm. I mean, that caught up really fast. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I would definitely say, I would say boredom for sure. It's my number one. But yeah. Board in the house. What house about you, board. Sarah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like quarantine was such a teacher for all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still is. Really yeah, showed us. Yeah, I know. For sure. Yeah, actually, because we're kind of going backwards now. Yeah. So, I know. You know, still happening. My, my triggers are definitely stress and anxiety, but that really stems or kind of boils down to just a lot of fear. And when I feel uncomfortable in any situation, a social situation, if I feel like a little bit of embarrassment or I'm like catching myself um, in a conflict or dealing with an authority and I'm, you know, navigating how I'm feeling and what I need to say. And it's like all of that inner angst will often Mm -hmm. lead me to go hop in my car and drive down the street to get cookies. You know, it's like that, like (laughs) take me with you kind of feeling. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So see, even the energy healer deals with emotional eating too. And that honestly like makes me even be like, oh my gosh, like you're a human too. Like I I know that sounds so silly, but even I think people, when I was a client looking at my coaches, I was like, wait, they struggle with overeating sometimes or they, you know, go over their macros sometimes. Like I could not like believe that. So thanks for But that's part of the journey, which is how I learn how to help the people I work with is from my personal experience and applying the tools I use with them on myself. So that's how I know what works, what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been a great learning tool for myself. But the difference between when I started to now is like, now I'm aware when I'm triggered. Mm -hmm. Now I'm aware when I'm like wanting to go into a habit or a coping mechanism. And I know other things I can do instead of eating to start to Mm -hmm. effectively address whatever's, you know, bothering me or driving me to eat. And that's empowering. That's what I call empowered eating versus mm-hmm. when you feel like no control over mm-hmm. emotional eating. And that's, you know, a really unpleasant and helpless place to be a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. And I think that's such a great point because a lot of our clients that first start off with us, you know, 
in their minds, it's really just like, okay, I'm going to learn how to track macros and I'm going to hopefully lose weight and, you know, um, gain a body that I love. But the emotional journey, the mental journey is so much more powerful than they ever anticipated. And I think that's like Mm -hmm. the true transformation that we really see with our women. And it's just, yeah, we go over, you know, triggers and habits and things that, you know, that they need to work on and that they just don't even know that they are supposed to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Yeah, I think it's a really cool experience. Totally. And we are creatures of habit. So emotional Mm -hmm. eating is a bad habit and you guys are helping them create really healthy, positive habits that get to replace those old habits. And so, mm-hmm. you know, eventually we can make healthy ab- habits automatic and that just becomes your default mode. And that's when you feel like good, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we're hoping some of your techniques and whatnot mm-hmm. can um, add to the toolboxes of all of our clients as yeah, well. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So um, to start, let's just have you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are, what exactly you do, um, kind of your journey leading up to where you are today. And, you know, if there is anything maybe you are currently working on to hopefully like implement in the future. Sure. Well, like we said, I'm a MFT, so I'm licensed as a marriage and family therapist and I'm an alternative healing arts practitioner. So that's a really lengthy way to say I do energy (laughs) work and I am certified in a bunch of modalities. So I do emotional freedom technique, which is also called tapping. Mm. Um, I do Reiki. I'm a Reiki master. And I do emotion code, which is an energy clearing technique that uses the body's wisdom and muscle testing to find and clear absorbed, trapped, and inherited emotional energies. So... Yeah, I see Paige's oh, eyes light up. up. <laughs> Paige is like, okay, I'm flying to San Diego and getting an appointment with you. Thank God my family lives there. <laughs> yeah, so so that's kind of what I do now. And, you know, I currently direct a behavioral health program at a weight loss and fitness camp in Carlsbad. So we have guests mm. who come and, and stay at a resort and they'll do our program for a week up to six months, depending on their goals. So I run that Um, currently with COVID, you know, we're closed. So that's opened up a lot of free time for me to create kind of some other um, opportunities that I've been wanting to do. So I just finished a 12 week women's group coaching program for when women who want freedom from, you know, kind of food obsession and feeling like food controls you. Um, But currently, you know, that's kind of been what's occupying my time. What led me to this point, I think that was your question, the journey. Yes. It's been a long one. And Dan, you know a lot about it because we went to grad school (laughs) together. But it probably started, I mean, 10 or 20 years ago where I started working as a personal trainer and in the fitness industry. But at that time, I also developed an eating disorder. And so I struggled for five years with trying to help people with health and struggling with my own, trying to tell people like how to eat and going home and binging and purging Mm. and really becoming determined to heal myself so I could help other people heal themselves. And so that sent me on a path of really, A, going back to grad school to study psychology and get trained, but also I just did my own healing journey and tried all different modalities until I found ones that really worked for me. And Mm -hmm. I felt like once I kind of healed myself and the underlying roots of my eating issues, I've been able to commit my life to now helping others do that. So it's mm-hmm. amazing. I, yeah. 
It's so amazing and powerful. You know, I know we've talked about this even with Coach Lexis, who's extremely transparent about her past as well. Like she's, you know, dealt with an eating disorder. And I just think it's so incredible that you guys use, you know, your own struggle, your own experiences to help others. Because like we've all talked about, it's the best way to relate and also build rapport with your clients. Right, because sure. you, you're, And you're a testament to like, it works. What you do works and right. it healed you so you know you can heal others right right and i yeah. think like you guys know i mean there's different diets there's different ways you can lose weight there's different types of workouts it's like every person has to find essentially what works for you mm-hmm. and when we come to healing the emotional and mental wounds that we have it's the same right there's so many modalities and approaches what worked for me was the energy healing work that i do fused with a lot of mindfulness-based techniques but that doesn't mean that is for everybody either. So I think some people, it just resonates with them. You get that excitement inside. There's like this inner nudge or like something pulling you to find out more. And like, that's an indication that this is maybe something that is worth looking into. But I wish you guys could see Sarah right now because she is like radiating. (laughs) Like she's just like talking from such like a pure place. It's amazing. I'm just like, I could talk about this all day with you now. I could too, which is like, if you guys need to cut me off, I could just no, word vomit. Oh no, (laughs) you are a wealth of knowledge for us. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was telling the girls like there was only so much I learned, obviously, and you continued your journey. And so, when we wanted to cover emotional eating, I was like, we have to have Sarah on the episode. We have to. Honestly, I think the most like powerful education that I've had in growth in my own journey came after we parted ways, after Mm -hmm. I had been working as an eating disorder therapist, after I had ran an intensive treatment for binge eating disorder. Part of the reason I left is I was frustrated because I was still struggling and so were my clients. And I was like, here I am at one of the top institutions in the country. And I feel like we're missing something. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we could do better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we invest millions of dollars into finding cures for different medical conditions and with doctors. But when it came to mental health, I felt like we were just settling for like, well, this is how it is. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. But recovery rates are so low and it took forever for people to get better. And I was like, this is, there is something we are missing and I'm going to find it, damn it. And I just kind of set out and did my own, you know, healing and research and tried it out on myself until I found Mm -hmm. things that worked. So, yeah, that was actually my next question. Like, what led you to researching energy healing? And, you know, where did, exactly did you get trained and like go through that mm-hmm. process? Yeah, that's a great question. Like I said, because I was struggling so much and I had part of my why of getting better was I was determined to turn my pain into purpose to help other women. Like that was the thing driving me more than anything was like, I have to get better because I have to help others because I don't want women suffering the way I did. It was just horrible. And so I remember I went to this workshop. I don't even know how I found it, but I ended up at this tapping workshop in San Diego. And I was it was after a day of seeing clients and I was so anxious. If I hadn't gone there, I would have gone home and binged easily. Mm-hmm. And out of maybe 30 women, she picked me to like work with and on my anxiety. And we're tapping and I'm talking about how anxious I am and All I know is at the end of it, I had no anxiety. And I was like, oh my God, I like feel really good right now. This is Mm -hmm. so strange, you know, like I need to know more. And it dawned on me in that moment that part of the reason I was so anxious was I was taking on my client's energy. 
Like I'm working with really anxious, depressed wow. people, yeah. people who binge. And it's like, no wonder I leave and I'm just feeling all their stuff. And all I want to do is binge. Mm -hmm. And so this gave me a tool to use at the end of a workday where I could clear or release energies in my body that didn't even belong to me that for a very long time were driving me to eat, mm -hmm. to regulate my body and to try and feel better. So after that, I just started researching more into tapping and I came across Brittany Watkins, who's um, an expert in using emotional freedom technique for emotional eating. And she has a training mm -hmm. program. And so I went through her program and that program really transformed me from the inside out. And um, I became certified in her method and approach, which is really, it's a very unique, specific way to use tapping for emotional eating. And it's brilliant. It's just mm. one of the things that I use with my clients. But what, what got me into her program was she does, um, craving tapping so whatever foods you're Ooh. craving mm -hmm. you take that food you put it down in front of you and you're tapping with the food in front of you and i'm super skeptical like i got this food in front of me i want to like down it right now i'm using all my willpower not to wow. eat it and i go through her process and i literally like had to spit out the food <gasps> because i, I oh didn't God, really I want it. body chills yes and I was like, okay, this, I don't know, this is weird. Like how tapping on my body with this food in a matter of five minutes has made me not want this, but like, I don't want this. And so I got trained in that process and I can attest, it's one of my favorite processes to do with people because I will have them bring their food in and they will be like, I wanna like, I'm like on a scale of zero to 10, how much do you want this Dr. Pepper? And they'll be like 15 out of 10. Like I wanna push you <laughs> out of the room and just have it. And I'll take them through the process and to see how their desire for it shifts to the point where most people, I've had people with soda have to, like they can't swallow it anymore and they have to spit really? it out because it tastes like acid or vinegar. When I've done it oh, on myself my with, um, I, cookie dough was one of my big things where like, I don't make the cookies, I just eat the dough. And I mm -hmm. started doing the tapping process and I had to spit it out because it looked like dog food to me. Like oh, it just wow. oh my God. completely changes how your brain fires and wires in response to the sight, the thought, and the taste of the foods. So wow. it's really cool. So when I tell people so you can find freedom, like food freedom, you can literally change how the brain is programmed and how the brain works so wow. that you're not having to use willpower, right? You can literally mm -hmm. choose, I can choose to eat this food if I want to, but yeah. I could have a bite or I could have one piece and feel completely satisfied and not feel like I can't stop. What's your mm -hmm. relationship with cookie dough like now? That's what I was curious about too. I, It's fine. Like if yeah. I make cookies, I'll have a spoonful. I'll be like, mm, this is great. But then I'll make the cookies. And one of my biggest, biggest binge purge foods was ice cream and cookie dough okay. ice cream. Yep. So I would go, I'd get, stop at a Froyo shop and get that every night pile on the cookie dough, mm -hmm. eat it, throw it up, like mm -hmm. routinely. And like this week I went and got a pint of cookie dough ice cream. I had a few spoonfuls. I was like, eh, I don't really like this. Put it in the freezer. The next day I had another spoonful. I didn't like it, I threw it out. Like that would yeah. have never, wow. mm -hmm. never have happened before. So like, is there a part of you that doesn't want to like always be like almost repulsed by that food though, you know? Like, but I don't feel repulsed, right? Okay. So what it does though, is it removes kind of the veil we have over our eyes. Because mm. we have foods, but I guarantee, maybe we can talk about your obsession with donuts, Dan. <laughs> I was just gonna, <laughs> I 
was just going to say, there there are some times where I'm like, I need to control myself. Like if someone brings me a box of donuts, like I eat four in one sitting, but I don't want to like not love donuts. Right. Right. So so there's a few things. Can we break down what's going on? There's a few things here. So one is a craving is an anticipation of how something is going to make me feel. Mm. So there's a positive emotional state that our brain has attached to the food. So when you think of donuts, Dan, how do you think you're going to feel when you eat them? I mean, I'm smiling already. Exactly. <laughs> Literally, your brain lights up at the thought of it and you anticipate yeah. that I'm going to feel really good. I'm going to feel really mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. So there's an emotional component attached to donuts. Now, what are like your earliest memories of or fondest memories of donuts? When did that start for you? Um, growing up, we would I would have like my girlfriends over for a sleepover and there would always be donuts in the kitchen in the morning because my dad would go get us some. And was that a really like fun, fun memory? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So usually with the foods we most highly crave, there's a very positive memory associated with the food with people we really care about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those positive feelings from the memory get transferred onto the food. So in our brain, like for you, donuts have a meaning for you because of those memories. Whereas for me, like legit, I don't care at all about donuts. But if you put a cookie (laughs) in front of me, I will start to have that reaction, right? Mm -hmm. Because of my memories making cookies with my mom and my grandma. So once we can identify what are the positive emotions associated with the food, we work on actually pairing those emotions with the people in the memory Mm. Wow. Because okay. it's not about the donut. The donut yeah. is just a symbol for mm. the experiences. And then the second thing we work on is the physical aspects of the food. Because there is the way it tastes, the way the texture is, how it melts in my mouth. Like there are parts of the food that you truly do love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that has a reaction in our brain in terms of the neural networks. And so we work on just addressing what those are so that it when we do that process, it usually changes sometimes then how we perceive it. So I'll have people who have eaten chips and we'll start tapping on it and then they'll have to spit it out because they're too salty suddenly Mm. or something that used to be really sweet doesn't taste as sweet anymore or it used to have a nice texture and now it just feels kind of dry. So when we tap on the aspects, it removes the veil. So the food is you really see and taste the food exactly as it is mm-hmm. without any shiny like glitter or like basically mm-hmm. we're removing the filter. No sprinkles. Yeah, exactly. Sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> so that you just see the food as it is. That's wow. so, so that fascinating. So that doesn't mean you're going to hate it or be mm-hmm. repulsed by it. You can right. still eat it and like it, but it's just like it is what it is. I'm not attached mm-hmm. to it anymore. I don't have an emotional mm-hmm. attachment. Yeah. Now, when you go through the tapping like process, is it differ for different people depending on like the food or is it kind of just all the same? It is. Well, it's it's I go through the same process of like, let's look at the emotional component and let's look at the physical aspects of the food. So that's the same. But then Mm -hmm. depending on what's present for some people, different things can come up. So I've had people who are very resistant to give up the food because they've been so like attached to it for so long so Mm -hmm. sometimes we have to go through like sadness or literally cry because we're like letting go of something that's been there for us for so long Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so depending on what comes up for someone it may start to take a different look different than somebody else but usually it's kind of the same process Mm -hmm. that's so cool yeah Paige do you have any food like that like if you were to go to a tapping session what would be your food (laughs) that you would choose 
It's probably it's probably cookies to be totally uh-huh. honest. Um, I can't just like have one or two. And so is when it I make a specific them, type of cookie or is it um, any cookie? Chocolate chip. Yeah. And when you make them, what happens? I just pick, 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 pick. Like I could I can't just have one for some reason. I think it's like the smell. Um I've talked about this on another episode too, but my, I come from a very like healthy eating family. Like my mom could have like one or two cookies or she'd have three, but she would always stay the same weight her whole life. Mm. And I felt like I was always just like more hungry. I was more snacky. I'm really tall and curvy. So I was just like, I felt like I always needed more food mm. and that just led me to constantly be thinking about food. Mm-hmm. So when I would see my mom like be done eating, I'm like, well, I'm not done eating because I'm still hungry. And that's when I would just overeat or I'd sneak mm. down in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, have another cookie. Sorry, we're going into depth now, but that's sort of like the correlation that I had between the two. And I think I still do because now I can go free range when I make the cookies by myself. And I know that I can have them. Well, if my husband doesn't eat all of them in the first 30 (laughs) minutes, it's a miracle. But now (laughs) now I know that I have full access with no judgment, but my own. Yeah. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Mm -hmm. So does that help you? eat less or more i would say still more yeah so Mm -hmm. can i give you my what i would look at with you with that look at her yeah yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) um and i would have to obviously ask more questions but yeah that sounds a little bit to me like what we see is this um the inner child rebel where when we're children there's a sense of deprivation or you can't have something and so there's a part of us an aspect of us that wants what it wants and it wants more so when we're sneaking to get it it's like oh i'm getting away with something i'm being bad and i'm like having what i want but our inner child like these patterns and behaviors can still come up as adults so it sounds to me like there's still with cookies that like ooh. Like I can have this now. And 100%. now because I can have it because I couldn't when I was a kid, like now I'm gonna have even more cause no one can stop me. So and true. so I'll do a little bit of reparenting and inner child work with people because that's one of the most common patterns that I see is as adults now that we have the freedom, I'll look at, okay, well, what were the food rules or what was the environment with food mm. growing up that made you feel like you wanna be able to have that now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I yeah. relate so hard to that. Mm-hmm. Paige, you're totally going to come to San Diego and, <laughs> and see Sarah. I know, I know. If you don't do virtual sessions already. I do virtual work. <laughs> Thank okay, God good. with COVID, that's like... I know. You know. I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. So. Can you do Can you do tapping virtually? Oh yeah. I teach you, you how to tap, so I'll show you where to okay. tap as we go. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the beauty of all energy work is you can do distance energy work. Right. So that's so cool. You can do yeah. Reiki. You could be in China and I could do Reiki mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Like, there's no need for So t- close that actually proximity. I'm curious now. So like if you teach your clients how to do these techniques, mm-hmm. like like from a business point of view, like how do you get them to keep coming back to see you, you know? I know that's such a random no, question. No, this but- is such a good question, actually. And I'm glad you asked that. I would say mm-hmm. for a few reasons. One why do people go back to the gym to work out with a trainer? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, to get, better at it. Mm-hmm. to get better at it, and you know you probably won't do it if someone isn't there. So True. even though people know, like, oh, I've got this tool that I could do, like a lot of times they're just not in the habit of doing that, and they need someone 
to like guide them through the process. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of the things I hear most commonly is people like, because I'll tell them what to say or there's a script and words, like they won't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, you just say it so easily and they just say what you say and it like feels amazing. And then they try to do it on their own and they're like, you know, a cat's got their tongue, they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, my hope is that people can start to learn it and do it themselves. And that's the intention of this tool is that it's a self-help tool anyone can use. And when you're working with someone, you typically your head gets out of the way, you just surrender to the process and I'm able to take them deeper than they could take themselves because Mm -hmm. we all have blind spots. And a lot of the work I do is looking at a lot of the painful emotional wounds that are repressed that still Mm -hmm. affect a person. And a lot of times, like I said that, we our brain avoids pain. Like you're not really wanting to sit down and like, let me cry about all this stuff that happened. But like if I'm sitting there taking you through that, holding your hand, then you're like, okay, I'll be back to part two, you know? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think Paige and I can relate to that though, because, you know, we have clients who know, who know what to do, who know Mm -hmm. like what to be putting in their body, but it's the support and the accountability portion that goes so far. And I think, you know, our point of view as well as when we, so our program is 12 weeks when they sign up and we do want them to gain that skill so that they can be able to do it on their own in the yeah. future. Because I mean, we want, we want our clients not to exactly. be reliant on coaches and to be self-reliant. Same. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My like greatest joy is to see someone like spread their wings and feel like competent and I can like mm-hmm. go do this on my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then that means I've done my job well. Absolutely. I, and some, we agree and, with our yeah. position too. It feels so yeah. good. <laughs> and at the same time, like everybody's journey is different because I've had some people who feel like, well, what's wrong with me? Because I'm not getting better. And mm-hmm. they got better in three months and they got better in yeah. six months. And I've been working with you for a year and I'm still struggling. And I, it's also important to know that like it's okay if it takes you longer to get there. And Mm -hmm. your journey to this point, your circumstances are different from other people's. And so we have to like really just honor that it it looks different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listen to that, ladies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That relates exactly to the macro journey too. Yeah. And and I've caught myself sometimes being like, oh gosh, I must not be doing a good job because like they're Mm -hmm. not getting better. And I have to remind myself too, like, this everybody's journey is different but every single step forward every time you show up for yourself every time you recommit like it's progress so Mm -hmm. and you know we obviously on our instagram page we post like a lot of before after photos which are obviously so powerful and it's amazing that these women allow us to post them because that's how confident they get but it's almost like a double-edged sword sometimes Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we do know like some clients will compare themselves and ask like why am i not making that progress within four weeks or whatever it is and so i'm glad that you said that one of my like i have conflicting thoughts about before and after photos as well because it's like it's almost like there's the message of well before i wasn't good enough but now i am yeah and it's like no you always were yeah exactly like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your worthiness or deservingness of love etc is not dependent on your body Mm -hmm. however like i think it reflects like in photo one i wasn't taking care of myself Mm -hmm. my actions Mm -hmm. my choices were not aligned with what really made me feel good and now that I've learned that, like it's reflecting in a healthier body. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it, you know, but it's not that you were better or worse in right. either mm-hmm. photo. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we get, you know, 
clients text us, email us. And I would say more often than not, they're like, I am just so shocked by my mental like transformation. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they end up like a client who was like, I will never show my before afters Mm -hmm. at the end of the program. They're like, oh, hell yeah. Show everyone. I am so proud of like how far I've come. And that is just such a liberating feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And my journey, like I was underweight and anorexic at at first, right? So Mm -hmm. I can tell you like losing weight does not equal happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was the mm-hmm. thinnest, I was the sickest yeah. because mm-hmm. I didn't do the inner mental work and emotional work, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't change the mind when you're changing the body, it doesn't matter how quote unquote mm-hmm. good you look or how yeah. skinny you are because yeah. you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> I know. I was like, <laughs> really? How much time we got, um, <laughs> Besides... Besides tapping, are there any other main like techniques that you do use with your clients? The three techniques, well, there's, I have my empowered eating skills is Mm -hmm. what I call them. The essential skills that I think every woman should learn. And the first one is mindfulness. You cannot change something until you're aware. Mm -hmm. So we have to make the unconscious patterns and programs conscious to recognize what programming has been running, my eating habits and my behaviors. And then from that place, we can figure out what to do about it. And what I use is I use tapping. Um, And then the other one is Reiki um, Mm -hmm. and and emotion code. So emotion code is interesting um, because we look at things that are absorbed and inherited. So a lot of times there's patterns where like, in my family, for example, my mom had bulimia Mm -hmm. and I had bulimia. So, Mm there was something that potentially had been inherited, right? And if we can actually see what energies are inherited, we can clear that so that it's not affecting you anymore. Things that don't belong to you. And that could be even, I've had people who are like, well, I was anxious since I was born. I like was you know, born this way. I've been this way as long as I can remember. Then that's an indication that that might be something that's been inherited that's affecting you. Not necessarily, but it's very common. Um, Mm. And there's studies showing that we can inherit trauma now, like from 9-11 or the Holocaust and things like that. So um, being able to clear those sorts of energies that don't belong to you can be really helpful because um, that can create an inner discomfort that can lead people to eat to try and soothe whatever it is that they're holding. So, Mm -hmm. But I would say the majority of the work I do is with tapping. Tapping. Yeah. 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 That's my favorite. Now, can anyone like become certified in like, I feel like sometimes like with energy healing, like, you know, I know we talked about earlier, like spiritual guidance. Um, like, I yeah. feel like you have to be a certain person sometimes. Mm-hmm. No, and anyone oh, can do I'm it. I'm so glad you're asking that. Yeah, because <laughs> I think tapping is a fusion of cognitive with literally tapping on the body. So you don't have to be like connected to spirit guides or like get intuitive guidance. There's literally like a basic formula. You tap at this point, you say this. You tap at this point, you say that. So if you can read and you can count and you can tap, like you can learn how to do this process. Mm -hmm. And it's very straightforward. Mm -hmm. The work I do one-on-one will be more in depth and I do a lot Mm -hmm. of intuitive tapping, but like for anybody who just wants to learn basic tapping, like you can do it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Um, I might have you like send us like a link or whatever, mm-hmm. like for mm-hmm. women to like maybe do more research um, about it because yeah. obviously 
we help so many women with, you know, health and building better habits. But if they could have something extra in their toolbox, mm-hmm. I yes. mean, that would be incredible. I do um, a free monthly tapping group online. Oh, so if anyone oh, wanted right. to to try it or learn it, when they sign up, I send a video that shows like how to do the basic process and then they can join mm-hmm. the class to like tap with us and get a oh. feel for it. That's incredible. Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, we coaches should do that. I'm, yeah, I'm, you you don't have to ask me twice. All right. Seriously. Cool. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, Sarah, I'll, I'll text you about it and we'll yeah. um, plan a time info. to do oh, it. Love yes. it. I have kind of a similar question to Zan of can anyone do be certified, but can any, is everyone kind of a candidate for this? Cause I, I struggle a little bit of like, I have been to an energy healer twice. I was telling Sarah and Zan before this, we started recording, but those were kind of some like interesting times in my life where I was at like sort of a crossroads, whether it was like a job or just kind of feeling in between or feeling really good and wanting to know like what the next step was for Mm -hmm. my life. And right now I'm just so even, like I feel Mm -hmm. very centered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's some work stress and I'm busy and who's not busy, but I, I feel like if I were to go to my energy healer, I don't have any like gaping problems at the moment. Sure. And so I just wonder, mm-hmm. am I like a nuisance to her? And oh. I feel like that's <laughs> that's probably silly as like a coach saying that too for other people. But can anyone just go at any time, whether you're happy, sad, yeah. or in between? I love that question. Yes. Because that would, again, I always like to compare it to the gym because this is like mental fitness to physical yeah. fitness. That would be saying like, oh, well, I'm in shape. So should I not like still work and out And that's like, that's so dumb when you think about it. Right? It's like, well, <laughs> there's different severities. Some people are severely out of shape and like really have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. But if you're like not struggling or having a like breakdown or crisis in your life, A, that's great. But also B, like... I can still have maintenance though. Like I want to stay here. I want to keep feeling good. Like, so Mm -hmm. let me continue to pump like really positive energy into my body and continue to like Mm. remove any energy blocks. And like, if I feel good now, like maybe I can feel even better, Mm. you know, like what's that next Mm -hmm. little level and how good can I feel? And like, just, yeah, you view it as like a, just as part of your self-care routine, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, would you say like, so someone like Paige, for instance, if she, you know, in this point of her life right now, went to go see an energy healer, is there a possibility that these sessions like actually bring up repressed emotions and feelings? It or could. And that's what's okay. neat when I sit down with someone and they're telling me what's going on and they have their perspective, the issue. And then I'm like, oh, well, what about this, 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 and this? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I never even thought of that. And suddenly yeah. you have like a new perspective of some things to maybe address. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, I think that's really important is also like the expectations of what oh, people yeah. expect going in. Like energy healing is like, it's like medicine. Yeah. It's like working out. Like mm-hmm. one session is not going to like bring up a lifetime's worth of repressed trauma and like change your life. Mm-hmm. Although I've had life changing sessions and that yeah. happens, but it's like typically you go to the gym and you work out consistently. And over time, like you notice like some massive results with yeah. like, the women mm-hmm. in your program. And so the energy work, you know, I've started when I work with women to require three or six months. Cause I'm like in one session with you, like you might feel good after the session, but like that is not enough 
of this medicine for you to like really experience the transformation that I know is possible. Sure. And Mm -hmm. that's what I want every woman to experience. So I feel like it's an injustice for me to let them walk out the door after one session and be like, oh, I feel better. Cause I know like, no, you don't. Like I know how good. (laughs) In a a week you're gonna be back to your old habits. And I wanna make sure that like we clear it all out so you can truly feel amazing. Yeah. I mean, we human beings just want instant gratification. Mm, That's just how our brains are wired. And I mean, that happens with us in our program. Like we'll get impatient clients. They're like, why am I not seeing results? Or if you know, you hit your plateau, they're like, I must be doing something wrong. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, you're doing everything right. Right. You just have to keep being consistent. And they probably hate us for how many times we say that, but it's true. You just got to keep doing what's working because it will continue to work. Yeah. Yeah. And that is part of the lesson, I think, in all of this. Like, that's the lesson, I think, and part of the struggle with eating in our bodies is the lesson of, like, acceptance and surrender and consistency that, like, self-love and self-care is not a one-week thing. Like, oh, this is what I do my whole life. Yeah. And if I can adopt this way of living, then like my body will reflect that. Mm-hmm. But if my mindset is like, I'm doing this to look a certain way for a moment, you're always mm-hmm. gonna be finding yourself falling backwards, I feel yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we talk with our clients all the time about how like, it's great. Like if you have a wedding coming up, you have an event where you want to look amazing. Okay. But that's the extrinsic motivation, Mm -hmm, right? We mm -hmm. have to find that um, intrinsic motivation to keep you going. And the why, and like, we can't, I, 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 pretty much every single phone call I have, I'm like, stop thinking of this as a three month program. It's not, this is literally just going to be your foundation because Mm -hmm. you're going to continue doing this even after you're done with the habit. And so that is kind of the biggest mindset shift that I I really like to work on with clients. I love that. You're so right. And I I just think it's, it's beautiful that that is the foundation and the message of what you're reinforcing to these, these women that you work with, because you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all like page, we all have our own transformations and we know it did not just take three months. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, you know, you know, my story about how unhappy I was like mm-hmm. in college and I was working on myself when we met in grad yeah. school. And so like just to see myself then and now, mm-hmm. I mean, we've changed so much. Yeah. I mean, I was binging and purging when I knew you in grad school. So right there with you, like the transformation in hindsight is like, oh, it feels so good to look back Mm -hmm. and be like, wow, I've come so far. But we know that journey was hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I equate it to like hiking Mount Everest. I'm like, I'm the guide and I can tell you how to get to that mountain on the path of least resistance. But you are hiking your ass up the mountain and it's hard and you're going to fall and you're going to want to quit. But like, that's the journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Paige, do you have any other like big questions? I think what I was kind of excited to talk to you about, the I'm kind of going off topic for we're just talking about it and going to start to go into more of like the emotional eating yeah. tactics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I see, we have our women set intentions and goals when mm-hmm. they first come in. And what we like to do is have them envision their quote unquote perfect day. And it might not even be a specific, you know, wedding day or birthday. Mm-hmm. It could just be any day. Mm-hmm. But the number one, I would say nine out of 10 times comment that I see women coming in with is they just want to feel 
guilt-free when sitting mm. down and eating a meal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I would love just your perspective on, I think we've talked about like one, how we got there in the first place, our correlation with food and our body and how it might make us feel later. But how do we as women start to break that down and look at food for what it is? And we like to say on our program that food is fuel. It's not the enemy and it never has been. Mm -hmm. Um, But how do we how do we get to that place? And I think we've talked about like the practice and, you know, the the effort that needs to go into that. But is there any other tactics that we can tap into no pun intended. Mm. <laughs> so or yes, not. you could do tapping for sure. <laughs> you know, that's something I see a lot too is the guilt. And the guilt means I've done something bad. Mm-hmm. So f- what I really do is I look at like, where did that belief come from? One is the language we use. Like we've created very clear language around good foods, bad foods. So that's the first thing that has to go is that language. Mm-hmm. The second is giving yourself permission that it's like, okay, for me to actually have things that I enjoy, that like, it's okay for me to actually nourish my body. Like this is self-care, the restriction, the deprivation, like that's deprivation. That's not an act of love. When someone Mm. denies you actual love, if someone else wasn't feeding you, like that's not loving, right? So actually one of the best ways I can love myself is to feed myself, right? Mm -hmm. So just working on the reframe and the language. And looking at growing up, what were the messages around food and eating is Mm -hmm. so important um, because I see a lot of times patterns where like parents are making comments about what you should or shouldn't eat. Um, Mm -hmm. And that as a child is when our programming around our belief system of food is created. So if we believed as a child I was bad for a choice I made about food, then we evaluate ourselves through that lens as adults. And so it's just understanding where some of our judgments come from Mm -hmm. and then being able to empower ourselves that I can change the story and narrative and I can start to choose new thought patterns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And and for me, tapping is a great tool to be able to very quickly change that thinking Mm -hmm. pattern Mm -hmm. and bring to the surface what all of that is. Sure. Yeah. I know that I've, I've talked to like, the coaches and obviously my clients about, I like to do exposure therapy Mm -hmm. and that might, I mean, it it could go hand in hand with guilt too, but it's like the fear and the anxiety around eating the certain food. I'm going to lose control or whatever it might be. And I'm just like, no, you do it. You have to do it to, you know, disseminate the anxiety around that. And so is that like ever something I mean, I know that you have your clients bring food in, Uh but do you ever do like kind of exposure therapy like that? Well, I don't because most people I'm working with now are virtual, like we're not having them bring stuff in. But (laughs) I keep forgetting we're in such a different world. (laughs) But I will prescribe that like the foods you're telling yourself you can't eat, but you love to eat like you have that at least once a week. Like mm-hmm. you have a day where you tell yourself, I get to have this and you look forward to it and you savor it and eat it mindfully and you don't feel guilt or shame afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like if sitting down, you're going to feel bad about it. Don't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You. But if this mm-hmm. is something that excites you, like I'm giving you permission and I'm writing you a prescription to go do this, like eat it, enjoy it and move on. <laughs> I think a lot of my girls like go into that scenario thinking like I'm good. I've got this. I have control. Yeah. And then, you know, it's the first 
one or five times they've done it and I'm getting a text on the other end freaking out like oh my god Mm -hmm. I've ruined everything I went way Mm -hmm. overboard Mm -hmm. would you say to just keep doing it just to get comfortable with it are you you mean they keep doing it like in a row um would they should they just keep doing it on like a weekly basis Mm -hmm. to get comfortable with the situation and know that they can come out the other side successful with control over the food yeah Mm -hmm. i think so and if there's such an emotional reaction around the food like that's when i would have them bring the food in to tap on it Mm -hmm. so that they don't feel this like sense of loss of control or like Mm -hmm. i can't control Mm -hmm. myself around that because that is really unsettling when we feel that like i used to experience like it felt like a force outside of me was just taking over right and so a lot of times it is about wanting to feel in control. And yeah. sometimes if it's really distressing, then continuing to do it for the time being, like wait until you've really addressed the underlying root issue okay. and then try it again. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I agree with that. If there's a lot of underlying emotions, there's obviously more you know, work to be done in yeah. that sense. But I feel like with you know my clients who it's more of like, if I eat this cookie, I'm going to weigh five pounds tomorrow yeah. and I'm going to undo all yeah, of my and progress. You want to cha- for sure. And challenge that and be like, exactly. And I'm like, and you're not going to gain anything. It, yeah, that's and I would say that's it's more of the challenge to that thought. It's like, OK, you're going to eat this cookie. You're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to see you look the exact same and you did not undo anything. Yeah. And th- that's where like they're like, oh, my God. And they're now eating yeah. chocolate every day. And it's yeah. so cool. And actually to circle back around on what you were saying, Paige, about like guilt like guilt is an energy and so there's a lot of theories around our energy when we eat is going to affect how our body uses the food and and what happens Mm -hmm. so if i'm eating a food and i'm in a state of joy which is a very high vibration like and my thought process is i'm not even thinking about this food becoming fat right like thoughts become things then you could eat three cookies i'm a cookie monster i eat cookies all the time my weight stays (laughs) the same you know it's like why does that happen Whereas like there were times in my life when I would eat a cookie, panic, feel all the guilt, yeah. that's low vibration. I'd gain weight mm. and I'd keep gaining weight because there was a fear energy, yeah. right? So mm. if the woman listening could even just eat that food and find a way to get rid of the guilt and shame and feel good, like yeah. they'll begin to see like they can, like you said, eat that and it'll be completely fine. Yeah. Oh, Maybe that's why my that. mom has stayed so thin with all those cookies. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's all just... Yeah. <laughs> she works very hard to be thin too, should I say? <laughs> and healthy, healthy, not just yeah. thin. <laughs> I would say though, it's like giving my, cause for a long time still, even though I wasn't binging and purging, I'd still have mm-hmm. the guilt of like, oh, I shouldn't eat sugar. Sugar's yeah. bad. I shouldn't eat sugar. Sugar's bad. Yeah. I'm going to start a cleanse. I shouldn't eat sugar. And now I'm like, you know what? Like I like sugar and I'm going to eat it. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, great. That feels good. Now that I've totally. made that decision, like, 90% of my diet is really good food and I still eat that sugar and it's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think like why, you know, Sarah, like why we're so passionate about macros is because it really does have that like kind of mentality of like, if it fits your macros, you're fine. And it's allowing, you know, those off limits food, off limit foods to be introduced to you. And like, yeah. I can attest to that when I first, you know, I graduated college and I was like, oh my God, I have like 40 pounds to lose. Like I am, I'm so unhappy. I cannot have this, this and that. I got introduced to macros and I was like, wait, I can have donuts like and yeah. be fine. And yeah. like, I literally have no guilt 
built around it anymore. Totally. And like, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, just a combination of so many things, but that yeah. is why like we love coaching mm-hmm. macros so much because of that. Macros was huge for me getting through my eating disorder because mm-hmm. I had messed up my eating so bad that I didn't know what I was supposed to eat. Like, mm-hmm. and I was so malnourished that it was like, I needed a guide so I could be a certain, okay, I'm getting enough of what my body needs because I'd neglected mm-hmm. it for so long. Mm-hmm. And then that really helps you realize like, oh, okay, like now I know like essentially what portions should look like. And mm-hmm. I can now feed myself with confidence and I can go into any restaurant with a salad bar and like know what it should look like. And it's just can be a really nice way to essentially relearn how to feed yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, preach it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about, I like we said, <laughs> one for hours. <laughs> but for the sake of time, um, any other questions that you have, Paige, or is there anything else that you would like to add, um, Sarah? Okay. So my last question, and I feel like maybe we should have started the podcast with this, but I just learned what tapping was about a year and a half ago. So Sarah, I'd love if you just gave like a brief overview of what it is and what tapping actually means. Yeah, that's just a really good question. (laughs) Because I forget that people don't live in this bubble and know what like tapping, what? Uh, So it's emotional freedom technique is the technical term. Um, And basically the the theory is that energy imbalances in the body are what contribute to physical, mental, and emotional issues. So we will have an emotion, and maybe you've experienced this, where it's like, I just feel the stress is building or accumulating in my body, or you feel like you've repressed it, an emotion and you've kind of shoved it back down. Well, that energy, because emotions are energy in motion, Um, the emotional energies get stuck in the body, creating imbalances. And so with tapping, we focus on a thought, a feeling, an urge. These thoughts and feelings are forms of energy in the body. And we tap on acupuncture Mm. points connected Mm -hmm. to the energy meridians. So those are the same points they use in, if you go get an acupuncture session with needles, except we use your fingers. So we're stimulating the energy points in the body to move energy through the body to release any blockages that are present. But tapping has also been shown to reduce cortisol levels in the brain. Um, So for people who are stress eaters, it can be a really nice tool to calm the body down without needing food Mm -hmm. to do it. And like I said, I believe it really changes how our brain is firing and wiring. Um, And so it changes. A lot of times people have cognitive shifts where I looked at myself and I thought I looked ugly and we do tapping on how you're viewing yourself. And suddenly I see my body as like this incredible Mm -hmm. machine. Right. And so we can really change thinking patterns and emotional states. I love that. Thank you for that. Super helpful. Yeah, it is. And go just Google you guys or go find Sarah. Sarah, where can people find you? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Come find me. I'd love to answer any questions people have. Um, I, where can they find me? My website is sarahspears.com. They can follow me on Instagram at Sarah with an H underscore underscore Spears. That's S-P-E-E-R-S. And I do have a Facebook group. It's called Support for Her. And her stands for healing, expansion, and radiance. And so in that group, I'll be sharing a lot of different healing modalities and creating a community for women to learn the tools, but also have just support of like-minded individuals. And I share a lot of information in there about the free tapping groups I host and upcoming 
group coaching programs and things like that. So yes. if anyone's interested in joining, yes. I'd love to have them. And don't worry, I will write this all in the notes so that you guys can find her very easily. And you also share your um, free tapping sessions like on your Instagram mm-hmm. page as well, right? Like, do you kind of announce it? Um, I just it? know, like, to register. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Okay. Yeah, I do. Okay, but, perfect. Because mm-hmm. everyone loves Instagram, and I feel like the majority of the world is on that platform. So that'll <laughs> yes, be easy. I do. <laughs> okay, perfect. perfect. Well, um, honestly, Sarah, we can't thank you enough for you. joining Seriously. us. Yeah, like. My pleasure. I had so much we fun. We might have to do a part two. I just, I know. <laughs> Definitely. I honestly, I was going to I honestly feel like we're going to get so many questions and you're probably going to get bombarded uh, that so we might too. have to. I think so. so too. Yeah, I'd love it. Cool. Well, it would be fun yeah. to come back anytime. Yeah, thank so you. thank you guys for having me and, and letting me chat about my favorite topic. <laughs> um, you know, before we end this episode, um, Paige, why don't you let us know what's in store for next time? Yeah. So it's kind of funny, not funny. Um, the When we started to plan our podcast episodes, we were like, oh, quarantine's going to be over by the time that we record this podcast. So mm-hmm. we're still going to record it. It's all about life post-quarantine and adjusting to social activities and just getting back into a routine once you do go back to the office, what that's going to look like. So whether that's happening in your state or not, um, you can always refer back to that podcast, but we're going to just talk about it regardless in season three. So looking forward to it. Yes. All right. I think that's it. That's it. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) All right. Until next time.